Happy Mother's Day. Kids, if you haven't already, go give your mom a big hug and tell her that you love her. And today we're going to look at scripture and how to dispel the myth of the ideal perfect woman that we see in scripture. And that our only hope is in Jesus Christ. If this is your first time here at Grace Fellowship, welcome to our online service. We are glad that you are here. If you would like to get more information about Grace Fellowship, you can go to our website at graceky.org and see who we are and what we're about. We would love to connect with you. I have one quick announcement, and that is today at 3 o'clock, we'll be doing another live Q&A with the campus pastors. But we're going to do a little twist here today. At three o'clock, we are going to be inviting our wives into the conversation in which you can see the different personalities of each family. You get a glimpse of our homes, of our marriage, of how we love Jesus together as well as separate. And so we would love to invite you at three o'clock on Facebook Live to join us. And we know that it will be a lot of fun. At this time, we're going to hear from Ethan Thomas as he leads us into worship of our great God. You, my God, have saved my soul. I am yours forevermore. I won't be moved on this, I'm sure. My God, and you save my soul. I was lost when you came for me, held in chains by the enemy, but you broke them in victory. Now I'm free, I am free, you're my joy. And you are my hope, I am saved By your grace alone I will sing Of your love for me I am free, I am free You, my God, have saved my soul I am yours forevermore I won't be moved on this I'm sure my God, and you save my soul. Now I stand with the King. Now I stand with the King of Kings. He has paid for my every sin. And from now through eternity, I am free. I am free. My God have saved my soul I am yours forevermore I won't be moved of this I'm sure You are my God and you save my soul 
once was dead is now alive You gave to me the breath of life You brought me up out from the grave I'm bursting now with songs of praise What once was dead is now alive You gave to me the breath of life You brought me up out from the grave I'm bursting out with songs of praise I'm bursting out with songs of praise I'm bursting out with songs of praise You, my God, have saved my soul I am yours forevermore I won't be moved of this, I'm sure you are my God and you save my soul. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. All-knowing, He counts not their sum Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more Amen As we constantly roam What Father so tender Is calling us home He welcomes the weakest The vilest, the poor Our sins, they are many His mercy is born Praise the Lord His mercy of kindness He lavished on us His blood was the payment, His life was the cost We stood neath the debt we could never afford Our sins they are many His mercy is more Praise the Lord Our sins, they are bad. 
God, thank you for your sweet mercy. And thank you that you are so eager to lavishly pour it out on us sinners. Even though we don't deserve it. It's not because we deserve it or because we're good. But because you are good. All the glory and all the honor to you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us, whether you are a part of our church family or this is perhaps your very first time coming to Grace Fellowship on a Sunday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is a special day, not only because it's a Lord's Day where we get to open the Word together even though we're apart, but it's a special day because it is Mother's Day, a day in which we celebrate moms, maternal bonds, mother figures, all that jazz. And so happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, But We also need to remember that this day is kind of uh, a mixed bag. This day does not bring joy and thankfulness and gratitude to everyone. Uh, This could be a very difficult day for you. In fact, I'm convinced, I know of people who never come to church on Mother's Day, but they might be tuning in today. This could be your first Mother's Day without mom. Maybe mom entered into eternity uh, recently, and you really, really miss her. And that makes this very very hard. Uh, You might have a strained relationship with your mom. You may have been neglected by your mom or abused by your mom. You may want nothing more than to be a mom. You might be the mother of children who have spent more time in the arms of Jesus than they have in yours. So this, like I said, it's a great day, but it's a mixed bag and it's hard for many, many people. And so with that in mind, As we open our time today, I want to pray to our Heavenly Father about all of these things. That's the cool thing about God. It's not like it's a a holiday and if you say, please help me because I'm really down and I'm sad. And God's like, I'm trying to celebrate here. You're bringing me down. The same God who can inhabit the praises of his people can inhabit the petitions of his people. As we're thanking him for the blessings of motherhood and of moms, we can also cast our burdens upon him as well. And so I want to do that now. So if you would bow your heads uh, with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today uh, thankful to be able to be alive, thankful to uh, be able to open up your word together, uh, even though we're apart. Thank you for giving us the technology that our church family can still connect with one another and that we can still hear your word preached on a regular basis. And on this particular day, thank you so much for moms. I think of my own mom, I think of my wife, uh, and I'm so, so grateful for how you've blessed uh, me with a wonderful, wonderful mother who preached the gospel to me and introduced me to you, and a godly, godly wife who is a great mom to our 
children. I thank you for people who are uh, mother figures to many, who are perhaps filling a role uh, that was abdicated or unable to be filled for whatever reason. Thank you so much for them as well. And I pray that today would be a day in which we honor them and show our gratitude for their godly character and all that they do to serve you and us. But Lord, I also, uh, even as I said earlier, on my mind and on my heart are people for whom this day is particularly hard. And I pray, Lord, that as we uh, do celebrate moms, that you would be with the person who is grieving the loss of their mom, that you would be with the person who is perhaps visiting their mom today, but not going to get any closer than a window because of the circumstances we're in. I pray for those with strained relationships with their mom. Oh, God in heaven, would you be with them today? Would you minister your unfailing love? Would they have a very real special sense of your presence this day, uh, which is difficult for them for a variety of reasons? And so we look to you, O God, saying, do what only you can do. Be with them, comfort them, uh, guide them, give them hope, give them help, we pray. And be with us as we open your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're going to spend the entirety of our time, believe it or not, in Proverbs 31. So please go there in your Bible or your Bible app, Proverbs 31. And while you do that, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I like lists. I really like lists. Uh, You'll look long and hard before you find somebody who likes lists more than me. And I've mentioned this before, but I'm a fan of the Full Focus Planner. Love it. Thank you, Michael Hyatt. And I like to make lists of the things that I need to do for the week. So I typically do that on a Sunday evening. I will carve out some time, an extended period of time. It could be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half, where I will look forward at my week and decide, okay, what should I do on which day? And let me try to kind of budget my time well, and let me tell my time what to do instead of my time tell me what to do. This sounds like an infomercial, but you get what I'm saying. I really enjoy lists. Sometimes I will make a list of the things I need to put on my list. That's a list of the lists. I really like lists. Can you tell? I enjoy just checking things off as I'm going through my week, checking things off to know that I've gotten those things done, that I'm getting that much closer to whatever that goal is. And I enjoy doing that in my planner. And there's just something uh, very, uh, yeah, it's, it's just very, very therapeutic about just the check mark and just, just something about just going down and up and like the sky's the limit of productivity and efficiency. Sorry. Anyway, I, I like lists. Uh, but lists, like anything, uh, can also be dangerous if they're misused or if they're placed in the wrong hands. See, let me tell you what I'm talking about. If I start to define myself by my list, if I start to judge who I am by how productive I've been or think my importance or my value to other people or in the kingdom is based on how busy I am, how full is my day, how full are my pages. If I start to let this list take center stage in my life, that's probably not a good thing. My lists change, but I need to root my understanding of who I am in something that never, ever changes, and that's God's word. We look to God's word to tell us who we are. We look to God's word to remind us what the Lord has done for us and who we are 
in Christ. And so lists are great, but if lists take center stage, if lists move off of the side and into the center, that's really not good. What about you? What personal checklist do you compare yourself to? And what are they rooted in? Are they rooted in scripture or are they rooted in culture? Are they rooted in God's holy word, what he said that has never changed? Or are they rooted in tradition, how you were raised, Christian culture, etc.? It's an important thing for you to consider on this particular day. You say, why are you talking about lists? Well, here's why. When I mentioned Proverbs 31 was going to be where we were going to spend our time today, I can't see you, but I'm guessing, I'm guessing that there are at least several people, probably ladies, who probably sighed. There's probably a little bit of a, uh, or maybe even a little bit of an eye roll. Or maybe you did neither of those things, but inwardly you did all of those things. Or your stomach kind of turned itself into a knot. And that's not because you don't like God's word, uh, but perhaps the way Proverbs 31 has been presented to you, uh, the proverbial Proverbs 31 woman, the way that she has been presented to you has been more like a checklist than it really is in God's word. Remember, I love lists, but we should be careful not to identify ourselves by lists. Let's be careful not to make a list out of something that was never intended to be a list. See, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, and we spent time in this book before as a church, but Proverbs are really short, pithy sayings that are designed by God for us to look at and to ponder uh, and to reflect and to, to think. They're not necessarily read this and do it every time. It's usually a general axiom, right? Just a, a general truth for us to consider as we are reading God's word and apply to our Lives. The, the word proverb literally means to be like. It's not to be, like the exact thing. You're supposed to be this thing. It's to be like. First Kings chapter 4 tells us that Solomon spoke over 3,000 proverbs and that he sang, I think it's 1,005 songs. That's a lot of proverbs. And aren't you glad Solomon didn't have a Twitter account? He'd be blowing up your feed. That's a lot to say. What we have in the book of Proverbs is 513 of those proverbs. And today we're going to look at 31 of them in Proverbs 31, because there's 31 verses. And so if you are physically able, let's stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word. And you can follow along as I read Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 1. This is what the word of God says. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to, to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. 
an excellent wife. Who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Go on and be seated. So what we have here, according to the text, is an oracle of King Lemuel. You can see that in verse verse 1, and it's actually an oracle that his mother taught him. What do we know about King Lemuel? You just heard everything we know about King Lemuel. He's only mentioned two times in the Bible, and it's right here in this chapter. We've read them both, verse 1 and verse 4. That's it. We know nothing about this man. But we do know that his mom, his mother, so he's a king. This would be the queen mother, right? His mother taught him these things. That's what verse 1 says, an oracle that his mother taught him. And in verses 1 through 9, just to go through it quickly, she gives three instructions to her son. And basically she says this, uh, avoid letting your leadership and letting your life being given over to women, to sexual exploits. Uh, Leave strong drink, alcohol, leave strong drink for those who need to drown their sorrows. You can see that in verse 6. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink, let them forget their poverty. But she doesn't want him to give his life to these things because she's concerned that he would uh, exploit the opportunity that he has as a leader. You could see that in verse Five. Actually, yeah, it, starting in verse 4. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. Why? Verse 5. Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. This woman is concerned that her son use his sphere of influence, use his power, use his time on the throne well. And you'll notice several times as we read through this chapter We see the rights of the afflicted reaches out to the distaff, the rights of the poor and needy. She wants him 
to not give his life away to sexual exploits to other women, to not give his life away to alcohol lest it uh, ruin his ability to, uh, to, to help other people. And then, beginning in verse 8, she says, open your mouth, here it is again, for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. That's poverty stricken. Open your mouth, verse 9, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And then she seems to switch gears a little bit. And she lays out uh, for her son, for King Lemuel, she describes what he should be uh, hoping and praying for and looking for in a spouse. It's a woman's description of a woman's role. And I want to tell you two things about this portion of Scripture. Uh, It is, uh, first of all, it's 22 verses. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Each one of these verses would have been started with a different letter. And so what this was designed for was for, you to re- was for the reader to realize, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know from A to Z. Everything you need to know. If it's like if I said, if you picked up a book that said uh, gardening from A to Z. That just gives us the idea that the author is at least declaring or at least intending to tell you everything you need to know about that topic. This is going to be an exhaustive treatment of a particular topic. That's what King Lemuel's mom is doing. It's like, let me tell you, as, you, as we're thinking about a wife for you, here's everything that's on my heart for you from A to Z. A to Z. But it's also an acrostic. It's also designed in such a way so that we would be able to remember it or so that King Lemuel would be able to remember these things. So an acrostic, let me throw you back to uh, high school algebra. You might remember the word PEMDAS. PEMDAS. P-E-M-D-A-S, and that stands for parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction. PEMDAS. Uh, I still remember that now, and it is many, many years since I've been in high school algebra. But what that stands for is the order of operations to be followed in an algebraic equation when there's different operations. And so when there's there's a, a, a... A problem to be solved in parentheses, and then there's also addition and subtraction and multiplication elsewhere. First, you do the parentheses, PEMDAS. Then you look at the exponents. Then you do multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction. Uh, Maybe that's not your thing. Okay, let's do something else. How about trig? Trig. Uh, Perhaps you remember the word Sokotoa. Sokotoa. You say, yeah, I remember. That's that lady who helped Lewis and Clark in the exposition. No, no, that's Sacagawea. This is Sokotoa. S-O-H-C-A-H. TOA. And it's designed to help you to figure out how to do sine, cosine, and tangent. So SOH, sine, equals opposite over hypotenuse. So CA, C-A-H, cosine equals adjacent over hypotenuse. TOA is tangent. It equals opposite over adjacent. And so these are things that I've never had to use in my life since high school algebra. But technically speaking, I just use them. So math teachers, you win. But all that to say, these are acrostics. These are words that are made up to help me remember something that I may not remember on my own. That's what this portion of scripture was designed to do for King Lemuel. It's an acrostic to help him remember these things. And so what we're going to do right now is very quickly, very quickly, like so fast, walk through Proverbs 31 verses 10 and following just to see what his mom had to say. Um... Verse 10, she says, an excellent wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. So she's letting her son know, this is going to be hard to find. Look look, uh, carefully, search 
for a long time. Pray. This is not something that is very common. Uh, it says in verse 11 that this should be somebody that is trustworthy, uh, who will cause him to have no lack of gain. Verse 13 says uh, she uh, seeks wool and flax, so she's uh, someone who's willing to, to really look for these important materials and then use them for the benefit of her family. She's willing to work, it says, works with willing hands. Uh, verse 15 says she rises while it is yet night. Uh, so she's an early riser, and she provides food for her household, that's her family, and portions for her maidens. So on, on her mind and heart is not just uh, her family, but also those who are uh, within her home. So it's not just those who are her blood relatives, but also her, her maidens, also her servants, and she provides for them as well. She considers a field, so she's a woman of vision, verse 16, and buys it. And then with the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She has vision. Great. Flip that field. That's awesome. She, verse 17 says she dresses herself with strength, makes her arms strong. She's health conscious. Uh, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. She has a good business sense about her. She's also a night owl. Her lamp does not go out at night. Here it is again, verse 19. She puts her hands to the staff. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out to the needy. She's a woman of outreach. She's not just concerned about the people who are inside of her four walls, but concerned about other people who don't have what she's been blessed with. Verse 21 says she's not afraid of snow for her household. That doesn't mean she loves sledding. That means that she has lived in such a way that she thinks ahead, right? She didn't have a weather app to see when snow was coming. So when snow came, she wasn't surprised by it. She was ready because uh, this is for all her households are clothed in scarlet. So that was used to keep warm. And she had done that for her household. So she thinks ahead. She makes bed coverings for herself. Sure, why not? Uh, verse 23 says, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. That means this, that when her husband was walking, or, or in this case, King Lemuel, uh, she is hoping that King Lemuel would be known as one who has an excellent wife, that somebody would see him walking and say, that man has been blessed with an excellent, excellent wife. Her, her husband is known in the gates because of how she treats him or the things that she does, albeit behind the scenes, her husband is known in the gates because he would have an excellent, excellent wife. Verse 25 says that she laughs at the time to come. How What a timely word for us. She's not afraid of the things to come. She's prepared as much as she can, and she trusts in the Lord for that which she does not know. She laughs about the days to come. She doesn't worry. She doesn't give herself over to anxiety. Uh, 26 says she opens her mouth with wisdom. She's kind. Uh, verse 28 says her children rise up and call her blessed. So her children also acknowledge that they have a really excellent mother, that God has given them something very special in, her, in their mom. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. And then she closes reminding her husband that, uh, excuse me, reminding her son that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but it's a woman who fears the Lord that's to be praised. So give her of the fruit of her hands, Lemuel, and let her works praise her in the gates. Now, you might read through that passage uh, particularly you ladies, and you might say, wow, this is something I aspire to be, and that's great. And then there's perhaps another set of ladies, and you read through that, and you're like, I low-key hate this woman. She seems to be perfect. 
This is like the Mary Poppins of practically perfect in every way. I mean, you, I don't know if you kept score, but if you look at the text, uh, she wakes up early, she buys property, she wears a lot of purple, she raises her kids, cares for the poor, keeps her home warm at night, avoids carbs, and has great biceps. I mean, this is like the, the complete package. This is definitely a 10. Look at verse 12. Uh, verse 12 says, she does him good. Did you see that? She does him good and not harm. How often? Oh, only all the days of her life. It's not a big deal. Not most, all the days of her life, Right? Look at verse, some of you are morning people. You love getting up with the sun or before the sun. That's your, your best time. That's when you can put your best step forward. You spend time with the Lord, you get things done, you're a morning person. Others of you are night owls. You like to wait till, uh, till the world's a little bit quieter and you get a lot of do- stuff done at night or you just love that time of the day and that's some of your favorite times. This chick is both. Okay, verse 15 says she rises while it is yet night. Verse 18 says her lamp does not go out at night. Awesome. She's both. This is the complete package. And she seems too good to be true because I think she is too good to be true, which is our first point. The alleged Proverbs 31 woman isn't real. I don't think Little Miss Perfect exists. I don't think this is a real woman. You see, somewhere along the lines... Proverbs 31 has been turned into a standard, a list, if you will, against which women assess themselves or a checklist against which a man would assess a woman. It's been misinterpreted as a a mold into which every woman needs to fit. And the areas in which you don't fit, you are falling short. But here's the problem. Where does the Proverbs, where does Proverbs 31 leave you if you have no kids? Where does Proverbs 31 leave you if you're, if, you're not, if you're not married? Or if you're in a situation where you have to hire somebody to watch your kids? What do you do if you just can't cook? What if you do if you just can't plant? You've got a black thumb, you could kill a fake plant. What do you do if that's you? You just haven't been given that ability. You're not good at these things. What do you do? Does that mean you're falling short of God's standard in every one of those areas? And the answer is no. It simply reinforces the fact that Everyone is different. Every woman is different. And those differences many times are God-ordained. He makes different people and puts us in different seasons of life for different reasons. Ladies, listen to me. God's word doesn't encourage you to feel guilty for not having gifts that you have just not been blessed with. God's word doesn't encourage you uh, to feel guilty for not doing good that you're simply unable to do. You're providentially hindered. You're not in that season of life. You're just not able to do some of the good that is outlined in this passage. And if this portion of scripture makes you feel guilty uh, or small or otherwise inadequate, you're likely not understanding it the way the author intended it. And by the author, I don't necessarily mean King Lemuel's mom. I mean our heavenly father. Now, certainly there are times when the Lord makes us feel sorrowful in a godly way, right? 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10, godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. There's times when we feel sorrowful because the Lord is convicting us over sin. But just because you don't measure up to everything that we see in this passage, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're falling short of God's will for your life. This is why I kind of I cringe if I hear a guy saying that he's looking for a Proverbs 31 woman. I kind of get what he's 
saying, but I don't think she exists. And I think the way that he is judging or scoring women in his own mind might be against the standard of perfection and not a standard that's realistic or even what God wanted us to have in mind. I'm a little nervous if a woman's striving to be a Proverbs 31 woman because I kind of want to understand what do you mean by that? Are you trying to do all of these things? Uh, it may not be the case for you right now to do many of these things. Like we said earlier, Proverbs is a book of axioms. It's general wisdom that honors the Lord and blesses his people. But for example, it's in your outline if you have it there. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Now, this doesn't mean every diligent planner is prosperous. It also doesn't mean that everyone in poverty lacked a good plan. But generally speaking... The proverb is true. Careful planning is better than working in haste. We get it. Proverbs 22.6, that's an important one and, a, and a, a, a pretty popular one, right? Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This doesn't mean godly parents always produce godly kids. But instead, parents need to have the, the long view in mind as they raise their kids, realizing that I'm doing things now that I hope that when they are old, they will not depart from it. That's what we're doing. But it's not promise 22.6, it's Proverbs 22.6. Generally speaking, this is true, but not in every case. Proverbs 25.16, if you found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit. How much is too much? Well, keep eating, bro. You're going to know in a minute. Like, this is, but a, generally speaking, the principle there is too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And so we need to remember the Proverbs 31 woman is found in a book of general axioms, not not prescriptive checklists. And that's the next thing I want to call to your attention, that there's a difference between descriptive language and prescriptive language. Uh, Isaiah chapter 20 and verse 2 reads that, At that time the Lord spoke by Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from your waist, take off your sandals from your feet. And he did so, walking around naked and barefoot. And he did this as a sign against Egypt and Cush, and he was like that way for three years. You can read that in Isaiah chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. Now, that is descriptive of what this prophet did. But it doesn't necessarily describe what all prophets or preachers of God's word need to do. We don't all need to be naked, thank the good Lord, right? That keeps this a family show. We're grateful for that. This is descriptive language, not prescriptive language. Uh, similarly, in the book of Acts, we see many examples of people who have been blessed by the Lord in a, in a significant way, and then they speak in tongues. That's descriptive of what the Lord did at that time. That's not prescriptive for what all people who have the Holy Spirit need to do to prove that they really are spirit-filled. Again, remember, not against lists. Love lists. Love the lists. Love checking off things on the list. They're prescriptive, though. They tell me what to do. If you start taking descriptive scripture and saying it's a prescriptive list, you're going to be in big trouble. This portion of scripture that we're looking at is a woman's description of a woman's various roles. It was not intended to be a prescriptive checklist for women to measure themselves against. It's not that type of passage that's to be applied in all areas, all the time, and whatever you're lacking in, you're clearly falling short. It's a descriptive passage listing a host of things for which women would be thought of as excellent or worthy or noble. Ladies, 
I'm emphasizing this point because I don't want you coming to the Lord, to Christ the Word, hearing Him speak through His Word, reading these passages, and leaving feeling small or less than. And I think an improper understanding of this portion of Scripture could very well lead to an inappropriate assessment of oneself as to how they stand before the Lord and whether or not they're pleasing to the Lord and could, in fact, heap condemnation upon yourself. But the Lord says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not a prescription for all women, but a a description, a woman's description of a woman's various roles, which brings us to our next point, that Proverbs 31, verses 10 and following, doesn't describe a young woman, but an older and a more prosperous woman. Uh, If you look at verse 15, you see that she has servants. That's not something that uh, young women who are newly married oftentimes have the money to do. She's probably older. Uh, She's old enough and prosperous enough to buy land in verse 16. Uh, Her household contains scarlet, fine linen, and purple. Verses 21 and 22, those are expensive fabrics. Uh, Her husband is among the elders, verse 23, usually Young couples, that's usually not the case for the husband. It's usually uh, uh, an, an, an older man or an older couple. And her children are old enough to appreciate her and call her blessed. I don't know if you've noticed, but that's usually not happening when kids are younger. It's usually when kids are older where they look back upon what the Lord blessed them with in a mom. And they say, wow, I really was blessed to have the mother that I had. I think there's ample reason in the text to understand this portion of scripture as a summary of a fruitful life lived over many years, highlighting specific things done at various times and seasons, but not all the things all the time. That's not what we're seeing here. And I think the reason I want to call this to our attention is because of what we see in social media. And oftentimes you might look at someone's uh, Instagram feed or their blog or their vlog or whatever, and you see this woman who just seems like she has it all together and is doing all the things, right? She's homeschooling a gaggle of kids. She's, she's, she's raising uh, uh, crops. She uh, has a business. She has a podcast. She blogs. She vlogs. She raised a barn on Monday. Soon she'll raise another. I mean, she'll just do all the things all the time. But I'm letting you know Not everything that glitters is gold. In the opportunities I've had, and there haven't been many, but the opportunities I've had to get close to a situation or closer to a person who is portraying themselves like that on social media, you realize that not all that glitters is gold. And that the person who is running a home business and making sure that they can live off the grid and making sure that they raise their kids by homeschooling them and making sure that they do this and that and this and that, There's usually a gaping hole somewhere that you're not seeing on their Instagram feed. And it could be in their marriage. It could be in... I'm not saying they're living a double life. I'm just saying, again, not all that glitters is gold. And that we're not designed to do all the things all the time, but that they come at different seasons and at different portions of our life. And that which you see on Instagram or that which you see on social media is not necessarily the real deal, and you're not seeing the cost at which it comes. You're not seeing what's happening on the side that's not necessarily making Instagram, but the lack of intimacy between a husband and a wife, emotionally, physically, whatever, the lack of uh, time that the kids are really being spent, because while they're homeschooling their kids, she really outsources the homeschooling and hires somebody else. Like Whatever it is, you're not seeing those things. 
And why do I make this such a major point? Because you can read Proverbs 31 and say, I need to be doing all the things. I need to be doing all the things all the time. I don't think that's how this scripture is supposed to be interpreted. Again, I think it's best understood as a lifetime of fruitfulness in mind. A lifetime of fruitfulness, not doing all the things all the time right now. That's how Proverbs 31 would be better understood. Uh, Next, Proverbs 31, I think, is actually applicable for all women, even those without husbands and children. And I want to call this to your attention. If you look at verse 10, it says, an excellent wife who can find. Now, if you, are a, if you have a, a, a Bible that has cross-references, maybe on the bottom or in the margin or in the center, you're going to notice that there's a cross-reference from verse 10 to Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11. And I'm going to read to you what that portion of Scripture is. You can go there if you want, but I'm going to read it to you, and it's also in your outline. Uh, Ruth chapter 3 verse 11 says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. You say, okay, what does that have to do with the Proverbs 31 woman? I'll tell you. The same term that is translated in your Bible as an excellent wife is translated as a worthy woman in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11. You say, okay, so what does that mean? My Bible's wrong because it says an excellent wife? No, no, it fits the context. That's what King Lemuel is talking, excuse me, that's what King Lemuel's mom is talking about. It's fine. But you need to understand that that term, an excellent wife, can also be translated as a worthy woman or a truly capable woman, as it is in Ruth 3 and verse 11. And you say, okay, again, I don't understand why this is a big deal. Well, you need to understand this. Boaz said this of Ruth at a time when she was a destitute foreigner. She wasn't making clothes for her husband because she was widowed. She had no husband at the time. Her her children weren't rising up and calling her blessed because she had no children at the time. She was childless. She wasn't spending her days exchanging fine linens or keeping an immaculate home. Instead, uh, she was working all day in the blazing hot sun, gleaning leftovers from other people's fields, which, historically speaking, was a provision made for the poorest in Israel. And so, listen, it's before she gets married. It's before she bears a child, before she becomes wealthy, before she gains influence, that Boaz calls Ruth a woman of valor, or a worthy woman, or a woman of noble character. Listen, Ruth isn't noble because she landed a husband. Uh, She's not noble because she clept a clean clean house or produced children. She lived her life with courage, with wisdom, with strength, and with honor. That's why she is a worthy woman. It doesn't have to do with how she checks off whether she's married or single or divorced or widowed on her census data form. It's the character that she brings to those roles. And that's the same thing for you ladies today. It's not about whether you're married or single. It's not about whether you have one kid, 18 kids, or zero kids. It's the character that you bring to any role that the Lord has you in at that time that makes you a noble or an excellent woman. Uh, I was uh, indexing one of my old prayer journals recently. Again, I love lists, so I index them. And I came across this line 
which reminds me of something that I'm blessed with as I think about Mother's Day. And this is something that I wrote on Thursday, November 16th, 2017. It's just one, one line that I'll read you from this, from this passage of my writing. Sarah is the best, most consistent example of Jesus Christ I have in my life, bar none. It's true. Sarah is a phenomenal wife. She's an excellent mother. But what makes her the noble woman that she is, is the Christ-like character she brings to her role as a wife. The Christ-like character and attributes of her Savior, whom she loves so, so much. It's what she brings to that role as a mother that makes her an excellent, excellent mother. It's not just because she's achieved the status of being a married woman or achieved the status of having kids. It's the Christ-like character that she brings to those roles. Don't get me wrong. Children are a blessing. Marriage is one of God's greatest gifts to us. But it's not the roles you fill as a woman that define you, but the character that you bring to those roles. And I think sometimes, especially among Christians, we, we love marriage, we love family, we love raising kids so much. We speak so highly of those things that those who perhaps are unmarried, uh, never been married or was married and is now not married, those who don't have kids, and kids are a blessing, the Bible certainly says that, Psalm 127, children are a blessing from the Lord. But we speak sometimes so highly of those things that it could leave people without those things feeling less than. And so that's something that we need to consider as we look at this passage. Point number four, Proverbs 31, verses 10 and following. is not a checklist. It's about character. This is something that I think any woman can emulate. She's, she's trustworthy, verse 11. She's hardworking, verse 27. She's strong. We see that throughout the passage. She's kind and caring. Uh, we see that also throughout the passage. This is not something that only can be done by people who are married with kids. There are attributes in here that are godly that you can bring to your role as a woman regardless of the season you are you are in, in life. And so people come to mind like my wife. Uh, but also, I mean, there's many people you could be thinking of. Deborah and Esther and Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany and Mary of Nazareth and Martha and Priscilla and Phoebe and countless women in your life who love the Lord. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Mothers are phenomenal women. Parenting is a blessing from the Lord. But listen to me. I think when we're talking about a woman who is to be honored and praised, I'm going to say this slowly but unapologetically. When we're talking about a woman who is to be honored and praised, listen to me, let's not reduce that to marriage and parenting. How they do in marriage, how they do in parenting. How they do in marriage, how they do in parenting. Because I don't think that's what God's word describes as a noble woman. When we make so much of marriage and parenting, women who are neither married nor have kids feel like they're out. They can't measure up. In order to be a godly woman, I have to have these things, and I don't have these things. Let's not reduce, yes, reduce, uh, what it means to be a godly woman to marriage and child rearing and focus on the heart that any woman brings to the role that she's in at the time that she is in that particular season. 
That's what's worth praising. And that's what we get in point number five. It's not her performance, but her fear of the Lord that's worth praising. Uh, Verse 30, Proverbs 31, verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. King Lemuel's mother lists many things in this portion of Proverbs 31, right? But of all the things she mentions, she singles out the one thing that's to be praised. And it's not how she uh, flips that field into a vineyard. It's not how she brings her food from afar. It's not how she is prosperous in the things that she's doing. It's not that she has good business sense. The one thing that King Lemuel's mother says, if you're going to praise her, you praise her for this. You praise her because... uh, She fears the Lord. That's what it says in verse 30. And you know what? This is where I want to close. In this entire section of Scripture, there's only one imperative, and it's not to women. It's actually from a woman to a man. It's from King Lemuel's mother to him, to her son, King Lemuel. This portion of Scripture, Proverbs 31, verses 10 and following, remember... It's written to a man. This is a mom speaking to her son. And the only command given in this section of Scripture is his to obey. Verse 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. And so remember PEMDAS? Remember Sokotoa? This portion of Scripture was written with the intention that King Lemuel, that men would remember this, would remember this, And then give the praise that is due to the woman who is doing these things. To remind this woman that you really are displaying godly character. Remember earlier I mentioned that this particular scripture was formatted as an acrostic in 22 verses. Each starting with a different letter of the alphabet. It was intended to be memorized by men. They memorized it so they'd be able to sing it as a, as a song of praise to, their, uh, to, 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 the, to the women in their lives. Their, their, their wife, their daughters, their sisters, their friends, their mothers. When I was studying for this sermon, I read of a Jewish husband who sings this portion of Scripture to his wife at every Sabbath meal. And so the burden of application of the passage, according to the text, is actually on men. Every imperative in the chapter is to us, not to her. And so what about you? Guys, maybe that's something that we can start today. It's Mother's Day. Maybe we can look to the character traits in this chapter and encourage the women in our lives where applicable, where we're able to do that. Motherhood is usually a thankless job. Just by nature, it's a thankless job. Lots of things that mothers do happens behind the scenes, and it's just very normal day-to-day things. We had dinner again. We have dinner every night. But I think we can change. The job won't change, but we can change that, that it's not necessarily a thankless job if we're expressing gratitude, if we're expressing encouragement to the women in our lives when they're showing forth godly character. It can change on our end, given the nature of repentance from us, our growth in Christ-likeness and spiritual maturity, as we strive to be more thankful, encouraging, gracious people. Proverbs 31, verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. 
And so it's these illustrations that I hope and pray, these illustrations of not deeds in and of themselves, but these illustrations of the character of a woman, may they cause us to encourage and love and honor our mothers today, our wives today, our sisters in Christ today, and every day to the glory of God. Happy Mother's Day. Sarah, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. I'm thankful to the Lord for you. Heavenly Father, we come to you with grateful hearts. What a joy it is to be in your word. And we're grateful for um, the roles that you put us in, the opportunities that we have to Uh, fulfill these roles in a godly way, in an excellent way, in a way that brings glory and honor to you. And I pray that as a result of our time in your word today, that we might be encouraged and know when to apply and how to apply these things. Uh, If we're uh, women looking at this passage, may we not look at this as a list to fulfill and see ourselves as falling short, but look at this as uh, different areas in which we might bring godly character to fill the roles that we're in. And if we're men looking at this, at this passage, may we be encouraged to really search our hearts, really search our minds, and think about the character traits that we see in our wives, in our sisters in Christ, in our daughters, in the women in our lives, and encourage them because a woman who fears the Lord, who fears you, who loves you, she is to be praised. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give He is my joy My righteousness and freedom My steadfast love My deep and boundless peace To this I hold My hope is only Jesus And for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me.
fate I dread. No fate I dread. I know I am forgiven. The future's sure. The price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my part. us to remember this week that if we're not strong enough, Jesus is strong enough to carry us, to finish the race. And in him, we know that all things will be complete.